What do you believe in? That's a hard question, and one that we need to answer for ourselves. What do you believe in? If you answer the question with your head, you might talk about principles that you stand in, or your ideology, or your philosophy of life. If you answer the question with your heart, well, you might respond with virtues, you know, like your belief in family, or your belief in love, or hope. If you answer the question with ethics, you might say you believe in things like honesty, or truth, or equality, or justice. But if you answer the question, what do you believe in, the way John's gospel is inviting you to answer it, well, then that's a much more difficult proposition altogether. The word believe is an important word in John's gospel, and it's found front and center in today's scripture reading. It's a, it's a unique word in the Greek for which there is no easy English equivalent. The word is pistuo which means much more than just believing with your mind or simply believing with your heart or believing with your ethics. In fact, in John's gospel, to believe involves your entire being. It captures the essence of why you choose to live the way you do. One commentator even suggests that the word pistuo does not mean to believe as much as it means to faith. What John does in his gospel is he turns faith into a verb. The question for him is, what do you faith in? Now, why is this nuance so important? Because for John, the way you choose to answer this one question will determine whether you will have life. Not just whether you will live, but whether you'll have true life. Not just a taking up space kind of life or a living one day at a time kind of life, but a life that in the Greek means ultimate life, a life of passion and purpose and real meaning, the kind of life that God wants you to live. For John, true belief leads to true life. And that's why at the end of today's scripture reading, John summarizes the entire point of his gospel with these words. These stories of Jesus are written so that you might believe, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. Well, that's the foundation for the next few weeks in our new worship series, A New Creation. Each week, John will be our tour guide, our sage, showing us different ways that God is calling us to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. We will hear at times from both his gospel and his epistle, the gospel of John and the epistle of 1 John, and discover how both of these books are important in discovering both belief and behavior so that we can live the life God intends for us. And our journey begins today in one of the most familiar post-Easter stories in the entire gospel. Now, even though we celebrated Easter a week ago, the story we are reading this morning takes place later in the evening, a few hours after Easter morning. The disciples are still in shock, most of them anyway. I mean, Judas Iscariot was gone, and the one named Thomas is not with them for whatever reason. So the remaining 10 were hiding in fear behind a locked door for fear of being found out 
as followers of Jesus. And then the resurrected Jesus appeared to them out of nowhere and gave them a firsthand front row view of the miracle of the resurrection. As he stood there in their midst, they could hear his voice. They could see the scars on his hands and the piercing in his side. They could touch his skin to prove that he was real. And most importantly, they had each other to prove that they weren't hallucinating. In other words, they had everything they needed in order to believe, in order to faith. Now let's admit, wouldn't it have been nice for us to have been with them in that moment? I mean, if you and I were there in that room 2,000 years ago, it would have been great. We would have had no shred of doubt or disbelief in our minds that the resurrection was real, that the claims of Christianity are true, and we would have no problem making a belief in Jesus the central operating principle of our lives, the key to living life as God intends. But we weren't there. And for 2,000 years, neither were most Christians. All the rest of us have had to figure out how to believe without seeing the resurrection firsthand. And that's where Thomas comes in. John's gospel gives us a person to identify with someone who wasn't there when Jesus first appeared, someone who wasn't able to see him or hear him or touch him or be in the direct company of others who did. I think it's important to remember that of all the Gospels, John was written the latest. Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written about 40 years or so after Jesus. Many of the original audiences who heard their Gospels might have experienced the resurrected Jesus firsthand, or at least known someone who did. They were were just a generation or two removed. But John's gospel? Not so much. John wrote his gospel in the second century, generations removed from those original eyewitnesses. They were like us. They were born too late to have seen the resurrected Jesus for themselves or known someone who did. And the more the years went by, the easier it would be for them to just disregard the resurrection as some kind of made-up hoax. In that way, John's audience is not that much different from you and me. But for John, that's still no reason to not believe in Jesus. And that's why he introduces us to Thomas. Thomas is a symbol for how we can believe in the resurrection for ourselves. So a week later, Jesus reappeared to the disciples, and this time Thomas was there. And when Jesus showed him his scars and his side, Thomas proclaimed his belief with the words, My Lord and my God. And that's why Jesus said these critically important words. You believe because of what you've seen. Blessed are those who believe but have not seen. You know what? Jesus wasn't so much saying that to Thomas or to the other disciples. He was saying that to you and to me and to the vast majority of us who have come along long after the resurrection itself. For those of us who believe 
without having seen the resurrection firsthand, we are blessed. And if you choose to believe in the resurrection, you are blessed. And that means that if you want an answer to what you believe in, according to John, there is really only one best answer. What do you believe in? Well, here's your answer. I believe in the resurrection. I believe that the resurrection was not just a historical event that occurred 2,000 years ago, but is still happening today, and that it can happen in my life. I believe that death is not the final word, and neither is hopelessness or despair. I believe that the way things are is not the way things will be, because God is in this with us. I believe that because Jesus is alive, resurrection can happen in my broken relationships, in my broken heart, and in the broken injustices of this world. And I believe that saying yes to Jesus means that I can play a part in the resurrection of others. I believe Jesus is alive, which means I can have true life in Christ. That is what you can say today, friends. That's something to believe in. And that belief can and will lead to the best kind of life, the life that God intends for you. About a month ago, I received an email from someone whose story simply blew me away. I'll call him Rodney. I've changed his name in order to share his story. He gave me permission to share it with you today. As you know, since the start of this pandemic, we have been moving our, our worship services to an online platform. It has been a learning curve from the very beginning, but it has expanded the reach of God's love to a wider network of people all around the world than we ever have had before. And that includes Rodney. He shared with me the amazing work that God has been doing in his life and this is what he wrote me. I came across Hyde Park UMC's Making God's Love Real recordings in a very intense search for meaning in the early months of 2020. I've been a very tough atheist for most of my life, but I've also dealt with very strong feelings of depression and anxiety for as long as I can remember, which have made me somewhat of a nihilist. 2019 was really damaging for me, but last year was full of healing and progress in which you and Hyde Park United Methodist Church played a very big role. I now consider myself a Christian and know I will make it through my hardest patches in the future thanks to the faith you sparked in me as I've done this year. But I also think rationality and science are the way to solve most problems in this world. Therapy and medication are very powerful tools, and inequality across racial, cultural, and gender lines is real. And the reason I can now break this apparent dichotomy is the listening of your teachings. You do a great service to this world by helping articulate the complementary nature of science and religion with such a humane approach. I remain forever thankful to you and Hyde Park United Methodist Church and hope someday I can give back at least a fraction of the love I've received thanks to your worship services.
Since sending me that email, Rodney has told me that he hasn't missed a single service with us online and that he is now getting involved in a local faith community near where he lives. I think that deserves an amen. So friends, do you want something to believe in? How about believing in the resurrection and the power of God to resurrect you to new life? It happened for Rodney. It can happen for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for giving us something to believe in that will lead us to true life. Give us the strength to trust in you each day. Receive our doubts. Transform them into faith. And help us to say, as Thomas did, my Lord and my God. In Jesus' name, amen.